This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So John chapter 3, we're going to start right there. We don't want to be like uh, when Paul was preaching and the boy fell out the, the window, huh? Because he was preaching too long. We don't want to see that happen. John chapter 3. Again, a very familiar, you probably didn't even have to turn there because y'all know it so well, right? John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And the scripture, the scripture reads, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And this is where we, we jumped off uh, from here this morning, from this scripture, understanding um, that when we talk about here that God giving, that God gave his only begotten son, that he sent his son, that that was a gift. Everything that we need, everything that God, that is provided by God is going to be provided through Christ. Anything that God provides is going to be provided only through Christ. So we have to be in him. We have to and this was this was the reason for for his coming. This was the reason why he had to be sent because because all things had, that were accomplished in the earth, all things that were accomplished through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection, all started from his birth, number 1, but all of those things it accomplished some things for us. And we're going to hear tonight about those things and we'll be reminded about those things that that were accomplished uh through his death, his burial, his resurrection, but only because he first came to earth. So we talked about the gift and how a gift is the act of giving. It's some, giving something voluntarily um, as without payment. Remember we said it was out without payment in return uh, as to show favor. So you give a gift to show favor towards someone. And indeed, favor was shown towards us through the gift of, of Jesus the Christ. And so we said that also that a gift is making a gesture of assistance. And again, the gesture of assistance, Jesus Christ, by the way of the Holy Spirit, is now our assistance. And even before the giving of the Holy Ghost, Christ walking the earth was an assistance. And we're going to see some of that tonight. We said that a gift is something that is bestowed or acquired without any particular effort by the recipient or without its being earned. And we talked about that extensively this morning too. Understanding that giving a gift, that means that the, the recipient, there should be no work on their part. There should be no effort on their part. Only thing they have to do is receive. That's what a recipient does. They receive. But if they have to do anything for it, it is not a gift. It's just something that was given, but it's not a gift. If we, if we burden them down with having to do something, it is not a gift. We also said that a gift is a special ability or capacity. That a gift is a special ability or capacity. Jesus being sent to us, that was a special ability. A special ability. Why? Because no one else could be born of a virgin. A special ability. A special ability. 
No one else can be conceived of the Holy Spirit. That's a special. That's special. And so we talked about, about that this morning. We went to Romans chapter 5 and we talked about how the offense of one uh, led to the grace of God through another, the gift of grace, which Jesus Christ is that gift. So then we talked about how the love of God and how the gift, uh, the, the love of God and the grace of God is our gifts given through Christ Jesus, which makes him the gift. We said that, that God can only be who he is. And if God is love, and if God is grace, then Jesus Christ, being part of the Godhead, then that's who, that's who he is. So we, he, he's, given, uh, he's given himself to us in the form of love. And love, basically, just like, just like in Galatians, how, how love covers all of those fruits of the Spirit, it's the same thing with God's love. God's love covers everything that he's done for us. From beginning to end, everything. God so loved the world that he gave, that he sent, that he shown from the beginning, that's his love. And everything that he did, his death, his burial, his resurrection, him keeping us day by day. All of, all of what he does is because of his love. All, everything that he does is because of his love for us. And it all started because God sent, God sent his only begotten son. He gave his only begotten son. It all stemmed from that. We went to Galatians chapter 6 where we talked about the wages of sin is death. We talked about how Christ brought us eternal life. Again, Jesus and oh, I forgot to mention, I forgot to mention the topic. So Jesus, this is the, 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 uh, our topic, our lesson topic today. is Jesus the gift that keeps on giving. That's what we entitled that. Jesus the gift that keeps on giving. From birth to, from our, our birth to our death and even beyond, we talked about that this morning uh, extensively as well, all of that. Jesus is a gift that keeps on giving. It keeps on giving. Uh, we said this morning that, that this is the only gift. Christ is the only gift that you can keep for yourself and give it, and give it away and keep for yourself and give it away and keep for yourself and give it away. It's the only gift that you can do that with. You can do that with nothing else. Which again speaks, speaks to that special ability and that special that Jesus is like none other. He is like none other. And that's why it's crazy and dumb for us to try to compare him or put him on the side of other of things. Things that we want. Things that we desire. We sh- Jesus is the only thing. Jesus. And we said that this morning. That if we would just concentrate, just concentrate. On Jesus, in every situation, in everything, just concentrate on Him. When I, when I, when I, so when people cut you off on the road, when, when you get bad news, when you, when just anything that, that seems to not be going right, going right or not, going right or not, either way, our minds should be always constantly stayed on Jesus. And I say, yes, we have to do natural things. We know that we do. We know that we have, we live in a natural world, we have to do natural things. But nothing should take the priority. Nothing should take the priority of God being first only in your life. Nothing should take the place of that. Because if you seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, then all things will be added. We're worrying about the things. We're worrying about the things. We worry about the things that we want to be added versus keeping our minds steadfast on seeking ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. 
Because God says already said it. He said it in his word. That's the way he established it. If you do that first, then all things will be added. But no, we want that reversed. We want him to give us all things and then, then we'll seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. I said, if you can't seek him right now with the th- things that you want, things you desire, desiring to be married, desiring this, desiring that, desiring to be CEO, desiring to have, get a master's degree, desiring to get a, a, a PhD, whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is, if you are desiring those things, you won't get those things until you first seek ye the, you won't have to work so hard. You won't have to work so hard. If you would seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, you won't have to work so hard for the rest. Because he's already said he will add those things to you. He's already said it. If we would just take him at his word. (laughs) Just take him at his word. That's all all he wants to do is trust him and take him at his word. And why? Why can we have the confidence? Why can we have the confidence? We said it this morning. Because just like in Isaiah and throughout all the Old Testament, he prophesied about the coming king. He prophesied about sending the Savior. He said it and he did it. He did it. In the Gospels, he did it. And if he did that, if he did that, he can do the things that the, the scripture that he talks about, seeking ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all things will be added. He will do that little thing. That's little. Compared to what he's already done through his word. If you would just concentrate trusting in his word. Just trust his word. Take it for face value. It is what it is. If he wrote it, I believe it. I trust it. Just like Paul said. He says, I am persuaded. I'm fully persuaded that nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Nothing. And what did I say? I said that everything that we can obtain, that we will obtain, is only given through Christ. And Christ is love. It's only given through His love. What can separate me from the love of God? Because when He loves me, when He loves me, He takes care of me. As long as I'm in Christ. Can't forget that. As long as I am in Christ. Because why? All things only come through Christ. That's why you got to stay in Him. What does staying in Him mean? What does that mean? That means I am going to be, He is going to be my priority. That's staying in Him. I'm not going to allow anything to to tear me away. I'm not going to allow anything to come between my relationship with my God. Nothing. I'm not going to let a man, a woman, come between me and my relationship with God. I'm not going to let a job. I'm not going to let uh, 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 prestige. I'm not going to let. I'm not going to let my desires. Nothing, I'm not going to let my desires come between me and my relationship with God. That's being in Him. That's being in Him. So that means when you're outside of Him, that's when, that's when your mind, that's when you're, you're going after those things. You, that, that, in Him, in Him. Outside of him, you are going after those things because you, you basically have put him on the back burner. 
You basically put him on the back burner. So I've gotten out of him, and now I'm just, it's just me, me and what I'm trying to do. In him, there's a totally different mindset when you're in him. Because when you're in him, then you will have the mind of Christ. When you're in him. The mind of Christ, the priority in the mind of Christ, the priority is what? The work of God. That's the priority. The work of God is what? The redemption of man. That's the priority. So when you're in him, you have his mindset, and you're going after those things, God will then add. He will add all those other things because you're first seeking him and his righteousness. That's how it works. We're not, you're not going to get around it. You, you, don't have that, you don't have a special relationship where you think, well, God's going to do something different with me. God is not going to do anything different with you than he's done with for everybody else. Because that's not according to his word. He does not do that. There is no prospective person when it, when it comes to that. Everything that he does, nobody, nobody is excluded from following this. Nobody is excluded from following this. I don't care who you are. The President of the United States, he is not excluded from following this. God has that expectation. Why? Because he is the creator. Although people, they, they act like they, they are the creator. All things under their feet. That's what they think. No way. No way. In him. We have to stay in him. So then we talked about, uh, we went to Romans 8 and we talked about uh, um, that we are more than conquerors. That, that Paul said that he was fully persuaded. That we need to be this, uh, the same mindset. That we need to be fully persuaded. That nothing can separate us. Nor death, uh, death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. And we went through that extensively this morning so I'm not going to go back I'm not going to go back through that uh, but understand that what he basically what he's saying is is that no matter what is coming no matter what comes my way if it's good or if it's bad or if it's indifferent no matter what comes my way nothing can separate me from the love of God nothing can separate me from his love no temptation no trial no test Nothing that I face can separate me from his love. So now we're going to pick up right here. Full circle. So we know that we're talking about the birth of Jesus. And we're still, we're still with the same topic. That Jesus, Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. Full circle. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. See, a lot of times we forget about the ascension. But the ascension is just as important as the resurrection. And the ascension is just as important as the death and the burial. And the ascension is just as important as the birth. And we're going to see that tonight. Turn to Luke chapter 2. 
and we're going to start there. And I, I've, I've been, in, I've really been enjoying uh, the messages that have been going forth on this subject. They have blessed me so. So you're going to hear some of the same things, but guess what? We're talking about the same topic. So it's okay that you're going to hear some of the same things, and that's safe for us. Um, so we're going to. Um, you know, and you, then you pick up some other things, you know, you add on, and that's how God does, here a little, there a little, right? And then you build on what you've learned, so that's, that's what we're in, in, endeavoring to do, is to build on what we've, what we've heard. So, Luke chapter 2, we're going to start here. So... <clears throat> And we're going to talk about each one of those things as, as, as we go this evening. We're going to talk about each one of those things. I said the full circle, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. So the birth of Jesus, his humble birth, proclaims and is part of the good news that the gift of Jesus is for everyone sent to everyone. We know we talk about those whosoevers. In John chapter, uh, chapter 3, it says that whosoever will... Right? That God sent his only begotten son, that whosoever, and we're talking about the whosoevers. The whosoevers can be anybody. The whosoevers is anybody. Anybody who chooses to believe. Anybody who chooses. So here in Luke chapter 2, let's see. Let's start reading at verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country, listen to these words. Let me tell you, God does not do anything by happenstance. And I heard Minister, Minister Martin, Martin say this. He's very, he is very particular. He's very meticulous. And he, he is concerned about the details. The details are important, whether we consider them important or not. And there were in the same country, so in the same country where Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there were shepherds. So the shepherds abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. It was nighttime. Okay? And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, to all people, good tidings of great joy to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly there was an, uh, there with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will towards men. Okay, that is very significant. He's saying, glory to God. The angels, who was saying this? The angel and the multitude of the heavenly host was praising. They said, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. He says, look, we done had it. We, we know. We know the real deal. But you're about to see the real deal. You're about to see it. He says, glory to God in the highest, 
peace, uh, the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill towards me. He said, there's favor coming your way. There's something here that's coming your way. You got, you got something. You got something here. The gift that keeps on giving. You got something. And you need to realize it and recognize it. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said, one to another, let us what? What does that word say? Now go. Look, they didn't waste no time. This was at night. Remember, the angel came to them at night. They didn't waste no time. They heard about it and they said, let us now go into Bethlehem. Let us now go into Bethlehem. Listen, words are important. He said, now, while it is day, let us go. Because when the night comes and no man can work, let, let us go now. That means when the end is, when the end is, is here, it, it's no more seeking after him. Let us go now. That's the word for us. Let us go now. We got to seek after him now. And see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. He's made it known. Now we got to go and see. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad. Listen to this. When they had seen it, they made known abroad. They didn't keep it to themselves. They made known abroad the saying which was told to them, told them concerning this child. And all that heard it wondered. All that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. We see the difference here? He says that everybody heard, they just wondered. Anybody, you know, just wonder. You know, people tell you something, you just wonder. It's a, it's a passing and it's a fleeting thought. They tell it to you and you just wonder about it. And then it passes away. It's it's gone. So they're saying that at all that all that the shepherds told them, they just wondered about it. But then there's a contrast there because then it says Mary, and she said it, it kept, she kept them and she pondered. Pondering and wondering are two different things. See, everybody that heard it, they wondered. They just wondered about it. Oh, oh, so there's a baby. Oh, oh, okay, there's a baby. And they say, yeah, they say that he's the Christ. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. And then they go on about their business. But no, Mary pondered it. She pondered it. She kept it in her heart and she pondered it. Okay. Again, God, God scripture, details, that's very important. Look at, so let's, let's, let's look at this. Keep going. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. So we're not going to read the rest of that. But that's what I want you to see right there. That's what I wanted you to see. So number one, the, the shepherds, they were in the country. Okay? They were in the country, but they weren't in the same place. They were about five miles. So Bethlehem, they were not in Bethlehem. But they were in the country. They were only about five miles away, so that's why they were able to get to them quickly. But they, the people in the city, see, it didn't, say, it didn't say at first that the shepherds, that they went back and talked about it. They were talking about it right there in Bethlehem when they saw it. And, the, and then the people just wondered about it. They were right there in the city. Right there in the city. Probably next door. They were probably next door to the barn. 
no indication. No indication. Listen, there's not even any indication that anybody went after the shepherd but the, until the wise men came, which was about two years later. What we don't see in the scripture is important too. There's no account of anybody else going to visit the baby Jesus. They wondered. They wondered about it. But no, no indication that anybody ever went to go see them. Just tell the wise, the wise men, they were in another, they were, they were foreigners. Another, a total different country. They had to travel miles and miles and miles. It took them a long time. And traveling by camel and truck, it took them a long time. But they weren't even in the country. But they heard, they were convinced. They saw a star and they were convinced. That's how much they were convinced. But people right there in the city. Your closest friends, you try your best. The people that are closest to you, the people at work, the people, you try your best to minister to them. And they're not going to always hear you. And then, but you got, and sometimes we got to labor because sometimes it just takes others longer than it does others. We get that. But guess what? Church of the Living Water, we are being called, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but we are being called to go outside of our That's coming down the pipeline. So I just want you to understand that. Where God is taking us, what He is desiring for us to do, is going to be outside of our norm, outside of our box, outside of what we normally do. But, it's for the purpose, because again, what did I say? I said that God is meticulous and He's detailed about what He does. He's detailed about what He does. Who did God choose to proclaim the good news of Jesus' birth? He chose the unexpected, he chose the unexpected, and they were hand-chosen by God. They were hand-chosen. A teenage girl, unexpected, a virgin in every sense of the word, bringing forth a son, baby Jesus, unheard of, but hand-chosen by God. She was hand-chosen by God. He was conceived of the Holy Ghost. And this virgin birth, it's also a picture of our role in salvation, that all we have to do is accept. Remember, Joseph was not even a part of the conceiving. He wasn't even a part of it, the virgin birth. He wasn't a part of it in any way. And Mary's role was just very passive. All she had to do was what? Accept. Be it unto me according to your will. She just accepted she accepted the role that God had given her. That was all that she had to do. That's all that was needed. Because the work of salvation is done by God alone. Neither holiness nor salvation can be brought by any effort of a man. Cannot be brought by any effort of a man. And, and salvation, salvation coming, that Jesus is our salvation. So again, no, no, no effort from a man cannot be touched by salvation, by Jesus. That was, that was God's work and his work alone. Detailed. 
Mary was an outsider from Nazareth. She wasn't even from Bethlehem. She wasn't in Bethlehem. They, brought, they came from Nazareth to Bethlehem to deliver. That was not by happenstance. Why did God choose someone that was not in Bethlehem? Because they wouldn't be well known. Nobody knew them. Nobody knew them. They were not well known. They were not prestigious in Bethlehem. You know, you can, you can get you know, the mayor. They, the, the, not the mayor. They weren't associated with the mayor. They weren't associated with the, 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 the chief of police. So they weren't associated with the whatever, the, the city government officials. They weren't, the, you know, the mama of the church. You know, everybody knows the mama of the church. Everybody knows Sally down the street because she's always feeding people and she's always helping people. None of that. They, God desired to, he brought an outsider from Nazareth to Bethlehem to give birth to Jesus Christ. It was the little town of Bethlehem. A little town. Just like the little town of Round Rock. It was a little town. Not prominent. Not prominent. It wasn't even in the holy city of Jerusalem. He didn't even come. He wasn't even born in the holy city. You get it? He wasn't born in the holy city. He was born in a little town. Just a little town. Not prestigious, not prominent. Just a little town. And Jerusalem was just a few miles from Bethlehem. Why didn't God send him to Bethlehem? I mean, just send him to Jerusalem in the holy city. God is concerned about the details. He was born in a manger, an animal trough. We already know that. From which animals ate. From which animals ate instead of a bed or a bassinet. Instead of a bed or a bassinet, you find Jesus, the baby Jesus, in a manger. A trough that animals eat out of. Nasty. Would you eat out of? Would you want to lay in? something that the animals eat out of. No. You think about the slobber, you think about all of that. But he was born in a manger, laid in a manger. That was his bed. That was his bassinet. The lowly shepherds, the lowly shepherds, they were the ones... Think about this. The lowly shepherds, they were the ones to first, to first start spreading the news about the birth of Jesus. The lowly shepherds. People don't, we're talking about, this would be um, kin to our um, janitors. You know, those lowly jobs that people don't want to do. Keeping sheep. They kept sheep. Flocks. They kept flocks. People don't consider them as important. They don't. Just like we don't consider janitors important. But guess what? If the janitor don't clean, then you would be upset about it. So always take the time. Just a little little for for what it's worth. Always take the time. The janitor's on your job. Always take the time to thank them when you see them. Appreciate them when you say, guess what? Give them something at Christmas time. Uh, and just acknowledge them. You, know, you can bake them some cookies. You can do anything. The lowly shepherds. But they were the first ones to start spreading the news about the birth of Jesus. 
insignificant in the eyes of some. Insignificant in the eyes of some, but God chose them to proclaim the birth of Jesus. And then we have the pagans. So let's look at this in Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 2. God is concerned about the details, and we're going to see how this relates to us in just a minute. Give me just a minute. Matthew chapter 2. Let's start reading at verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, the king, behold, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Remember, I said that's why. East, that was a totally different country. Totally different. Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? They were not Jewish. They were not a part of that. They were foreigners. Saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Listen, they didn't even question. They didn't say, listen to what they didn't say. They didn't say, is there... Was there born the king of the Jews? Was it? They didn't say that. They said, where is he? We know he's here. Where is he? Because we have come. We have come from miles away. We have come. They, no question. Again, we need, to be, we need to be like this wise man. Why are we questioning? Why are we questioning? What God has already said in his word. Why are we questioning that? These wise men. And they, the wise men, they were astrologers looking at the star. Even the, I heard, I I think I heard Minister Martin and Minister Rick say that. Even the heavens, even the stars declared. Even the stars declared his coming. Even the stars, he is here. They said, he, those stars said, he is here. The star is born. He is here. And all that, that's all that they took. That's all, they took that start. They said, look, this is it. That, that's it. Let us go. We're going. Not, not was he born here. We already know. We saw the star. It, it showed us where to go. We know that he's here. Where is he? But we want to question. Well, is he, is he really here? <laughs> is he really here? All the signs and wonders that you see in your ministry, but you want to ask, is he really here? You, you're really going to question about what God is doing? You're really going to question what he's doing? What he's brought you on? He has brought us from the places where he has brought us. You know who you were when you got here, when you first got here. And you know the changes that, uh, that you have, that have been made in your life because of the hearing and the applying of the word. You got to, you can't just hear it. You got to hear it and apply it for it to change your life. But you know, if you've heard it and applied it and the changes that were made because of it, and you want to question anything else after that? That's not being wise like the wise men. They're not questioning. They say, where is he? Look, whatever he's doing, I want to be a part of it. He's here. I want to be a part of what he's doing. Whatever it is. I'm not questioning if he's here. I know he's here. 
That's just, where is he so we can just come and worship? That's all. That's all we want him to. Whatever he's doing, I'm going to bow down to it. Whatever he's doing, I'm going to bow down to it. I'm going to worship. I'm going to go with it. Because I am persuaded that he is here. I'm persuaded that he is here. What is the message to Church of the Living Water? What is the message? God continues to choose the unexpected. God continues to choose the unexpected to help proclaim the good news. He continues to use the unexpected. We are building walls and establishing a generational place. Listen, we are building walls and establishing a generational place for God's work, for healing, hope, and redemption for all that He has ordained that we reach. We are establishing, we are building, we are establishing building walls, establishing this ministry, this church, as a generational place. Listen, a generational place for God's work of healing, hope, and redemption for all that He has ordained that we reach. We're not going to reach everybody in the whole entire world. He has churches for that. He's a sap. But if, wherever we are, He has ordained our reach. He's already ordained the people. He says, all I need for you to do is just go. I've ordained the people. But I need you to go. I need you to, to go. Unexpected. That little church. Look, we cannot despise our youth as a ministry. 32 years, that's young for a church. Very young. That's a baby. That's a baby. That's a toddler. Compared to churches that have been established for over 100, 150 years. We cannot despise our youth. The unexpected. The unexpected. Although we aren't prominent, we aren't famous. We're not on the church, on, on, on TV. We're not, we don't have the radio stations. We're not big mass, a massive group of people. The unexpected. The unexpected. See, you would expect a big church to be able to, to reach and be able to... God says, no. He says, I'm concerned about the details. He says, I don't want anybody to get my glory. I want that little bitty church in Round Rock. Not, in, not, not, in, not, not, not one that, that was a part of Jerusalem. That little Bethlehem, that little Bethlehem town, that, that, that little city of Round Rock. Not prominent. Not prominent. A lot of people, and be honest, so you tell people who, you know, who don't, who not from these parts, and they ask you where you're from, do you say Austin if you're from Round Rock? Do you say Austin? Why? Because they don't know. They know Austin is the capital. That, that they recognize. You say Round Rock, what? where is that? Pflugerville, a, a Pflugerville. What is a Pflugerville? I have people always, always claim in Houston. People always claim in Houston. They from from Cyprus. You are not. You are not from Houston. You are from Cyprus. Don't claim my city, and you're not from there. So no, say where you from. I'm from. Con- I'm really from Conroe. I'm from Houston. You're from Conroe. You are not from Houston. 
But this little city, God is concerned about the little details. This is what he's telling us. Don't despise your youth. When, although we're not prominent, we're not famous, we're not popular, we are small in size, we are not insignificant. God has a work for us and we are not insignificant. We are not insignificant. Don't think that we cannot do a work that God has given us when nothing can separate us from His love. Really? His love and His grace in Christ. The Lord is, in, Jesus is Lord in this place. When we are in Him, you, you, listen, there is nothing that we cannot do. Some of us are small-minded. We think that we're going to be small like this forever. And we will if we don't do, the, if we, if we don't do what He's telling us to do. We will. But that is not what he, and I'm not saying that he's, that he's calling us to be a massive and a big mass. I'm not saying that at all. But he is calling us to, to be more than this. He is calling us to be more than this. He says there are people that you are trying to reach. I, people I'm trying to reach. And I have already ordained them. I've already ordained the people that you will come and come. I've already ordained the people who are supposed to be here. I just need you to go get them. He's done the work. He's done the work. Listen, that's what, don't be, don't be surprised, don't be hurt, don't be disappointed, don't be discouraged when you go to people and they are not responding and you turn a minute and we go out and we minister to them and then we invite them to church and they're not responding. Guess what? They may not be the ones that God, we just keep seeking. We don't know who they are, but we seek it. We're seeking. We're trying to find anybody who's going to bite. We can find it. We're finding it. We're searching. We're, we're seeking and saving. Seeking and saving. Don't be discouraged by that because anybody that God has ordained to be here, they will be here. They will be here in the fullness of time. Not on our time, not on your time. But as He's calling, as, but He says, I need you to do your part. I need you to do what, you, what you're supposed to be doing. It doesn't matter that we're in a storefront. And not in a building with a steeple or a cross. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that Jesus was born in a manger and not in the, and not in the bassinet. It don't matter. The unexpected. That's the unexpected. So yes, we're in a storefront. So what? But what comes out of this storefront? Just like what came out of that manger. Listen, you got to listen, listen to this, because God is setting us up for a work. He is setting us up for a work. He is setting us up for a work. And you got to be, you got to be, you got to be ready for it. You got to be ready. I know we've been talking about, we've been talking about it, and we've, we've started, we've done some things, but, but you know what? <laughs> Until we get really serious and everybody gets really serious about it, we're not just going through motions. See, that's where you're wrong. Oh, well, we're just doing this, you know, we're just doing that. We're just, you know, yeah, we're having a concert in the park. We're, we're, you know, we're just. No. When you go, you have to have an expectation. When you do things, you have to have an expectation. You have to expect that God is going to do exactly what it is that he says he's going to do. And even if you don't see it that day, 
See, again, we get discouraged. So we get out there, we want, and we, you know, we want, we want it right now. You know, we have this big concert in the park. We, you know, we want it just how, how, how we see it on TV. Everybody coming up and, you know, asking, what, what can I do to be saved? And, you know, we, you know all, all of that. They, they jumping and they flocking. It's not going to work. It doesn't work that way. It don't work that way. God is calling for labor. He's calling for labor. It's not going to come easy like that. Don't expect it to come easy like that. Guess what? When you got here, it was not easy. Some of us, some people that ministered to us for years before we came. Years. Working at HT, I had, I had, uh, oh, her name is slipping my mind right now. I had one person, a student, she was a student, an older student. Oh, I can't think of her name. She would tell me about her church. Now, I had a church, but she would tell me, and uh, I think at, probably, you know, at that time, I think I was probably in between churches, but she would tell me about her church. Church of the Living Water. Church, she was proud of her church. Church of the Living Water. She's not here no more. Church of the Living Water. Church of the Living Water. And then I met somebody else. Oh, Church of the Living Water. Church of the Living Water. Church. And I still, I still didn't put two and two together. Still didn't put two. Never did visit. Again, had a church in, a, in between. So I wasn't really necessarily looking for a church. But guess what? Guess what? When it, the time, in the fullness of time, when God knew that I needed to be here because of, the, of what he had me to do. Remember I told you I was at a church that didn't believe in women ministers and, and all of that. So he had to move me from that place. But in the fullness of time, it came back full circle. And I was like, oh, that is the church she was talking about. That's the church she was talking about. The unexpected. The unexpected. And not that she was necessarily trying to get me away from my church, but she, again, she, I had been hearing about church of living one maybe for two years before I actually, before it actually transpired and I got here. But that's how God was. So you cannot, you cannot expect that it's just going to come like you want it to come because it's not. It's not. But that's why we got to labor to do it. It does not matter that our congregation is what the world considers the minority. It does not matter if the world considers us a mi- the minority. We are the majority with him. The unexpected. This is what God has said. This is what's significant. This is what is significant about this virgin birth and, and, and the birth of Christ and how it, it, how it relates. And God, when, when God was just was speaking to me about that, it was, just, it was just blessing me. It was just blessing me. Because he says, listen, he says, I am concerned about the details. I am concerned about the details. And I am concerned that you are in the details. Church of the living water. Because he has a work. And I mean, I'm telling you, y'all are looking at me like right now with some blank faces and some blank stares. But if you would get this, if you would just get this, don't think it's just words coming out of my mouth and just because I'm saying it, just because it's Sister Simpson saying it. If you do that, you're going to miss. Remember, remember what I said? We miss God. We miss him. We're not in the present. We miss him. Don't miss him. Don't miss him. And allow him to minister to your heart. 
He came for the sinner, the foreigners. He came for the outcast, for the despised, the rejected, the imperfect, the sick, the broken, the weak, the weary, the depressed, the needy, the criminals. <laughs> Make light of that. Because when I tell you that God is setting us up to go outside of our box, that's exactly what I mean. Because He's after the foreigners. He's after the outcast. He's after the despised, the rejected, the imperfect. He's after the sick, the broken, the weak, the weary, the depressed, the needy, and the criminals. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, those are the whosoevers. The criminals, they are part of the whosoevers. Don't sleep on this. I'm telling you, don't sleep on it. Mark this day. What is this? October. December the 8th. Write it down. Mark it and write it down. Because when it comes to pass, it shall come to pass. Don't look, don't be, don't be like the, the, the shepherds that the people were talking, the people that the shepherds were talking to. You need to be like the wise men. Not questioning if it's going to happen. Not questioning if it's going to happen. When is it going to happen? And I'm going to be ready when it happens. I'm going to be in place because I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to worship. I'm ready to bow down. I'm ready. Let's do this. I'm ready. That's the mindset. That's where, that's where we got to get to if you're not already there. Because it's coming. The life of Jesus. That's the birth of Jesus. The life of Jesus. The man Jesus lived as an ensample for us to follow. And Minister Rick hit on this on Wednesday. He chose not to operate. Fully man, fully God. Fully human, fully God. But he chose not to. Not that he took anything off. He chose not to operate and function as God. He chose not to. Function and operate as God. Could he have? Yes, he could because he is God. He didn't take it off. He didn't throw it away. He didn't put it in a shelf. He, it, was, it was all apart. He walked this earth fully as man, fully as God, but he chose not to operate as God. He chose to operate in his, in his humanity, his 100% humanity. His operation on earth in humanity is important because prophecy required a physical birth. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Unto us a child is born. It required, it required a physical birth. But in Galatians chapter 4, we're not going to go there. We read those scriptures before. Uh, I think Minister Martin and Minister Rick went to those. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Without his humanity, he could not have experienced sadness, suffering, or pain. 
Without his humanity, he could not have. We're talking about his life. Without his humanity, he could not have experienced sadness, suffering, or pain. That's why I mentioned this morning about him crying over Lazarus when he died. Those same emotions that we, that we have. He was able to experience all of that. That's important. It's important. And we're going to see that in a minute. Why? But that was important. That he be able to be touched by our infirmities. That was important. That he, that he be able to be touched by our infirmities. Without his humanity, he could not have experienced the temptation, yet did not succumb to the sin, but he experienced the temptation. He would not have been able to experience temptation without humanity. He experienced temptation. You remember in Matthew, in, in Matthew when it talks about how, 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 uh, how Satan came to him, tempting him? He was tempted. Temptation means what? I'm going to present to you and try to persuade you. That's all I'm doing. I'm presenting to you and I'm going to try to persuade you. But he, he, wasn't, he didn't allow himself to be persuaded. But he was tempted. Humanity, he would not have been able to experience that. You know, God was hungry. He experienced hunger. We don't think about him and his humanity. Just like he was just like you. Minus the sin. Just like you. Minus the sin. That's, that's it. But everything that you experience. He experienced. Without his humanity, he could not have experienced temptation, which also makes him the perfect mediator. It makes him the perfect mediator. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Y'all going to get a little bit of... Uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Y'all going to get a little bit of... of um, ministry class tonight, just a, just a little bit, a tad bit of ministry class. Hebrews 4 and 15. The scripture reads, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points, but was in all points tempted like as we are. In all points. Like as we are, yet without sin. Fully human at all points, temptation at all points, yet without sin. This declares that we have a high priest in his position at the right hand of God after his ascension. That's important. Who is able to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and the liability of attack the liability of attacks of temptation the attacks of temptation that's a liability right it's a liability. when we when we're able to be attacked by temptation that's a liability he was able to experience the liability of the attacks of temptation Without succumbing to it. Without succumbing to it. 
Without his humanity, he could not have shed his blood. He could not have shed his blood. Hebrews 9 and 22, it declares that without the shedding of blood, there is neither release from sin nor guilt. There is no nor remission of what is due as a punishment for sin. The scripture tells us that the wages of sin is death. That's already built in. That is the punishment. That is the punishment. And without the shedding of blood, because somebody's blood had to be shed. There had to be a death. There had to be a death. That was not a wage that I was willing to pay. <laughs> I owed that debt. The wages of sin is death. That's I was... My, my payment for my sin should have been death. My, the wages of sin is death. And that should have been my payment. Death should have been my payment. But Jesus. <laughs> but Jesus. Yes, the gift that keeps on giving. But Jesus. In my place. In my place. He says, I'll go. I'll die. It talks about, uh, in Hebrews, it talks about the blood and the blood of goats and the blood of animals. It says, no, that's not going to cut it. I'm going to give my own blood because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. I'm going to give my blood. I'm going to give my blood and then I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to give my blood for the forgiveness of sin and then I'm going to die. I'm going to take their place so that they will not have to die. Not eternally. We'll, we, unless Jesus returns before, we will, we will experience a physical death. But remember what I told you this morning. That is not the end. You can't look at that as the end because that's not the end. I dare say that's your beginning. I dare say that. That's your beginning. That is not your end. That is not your end. That is only your beginning. So we talked about the birth. We talked about the life. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So without his birth, he couldn't have been crucified. He couldn't have been buried. He could not have been resurrected. So his sacrificial death, listen, his sacrificial death satisfied justice that God demands as the wages for sin. You know, God, he is a just God. And he would not be just if he did not stick to what he said in his word. He said in his word that the wages of sin is death. So somebody had to die. Somebody had to die. And Jesus' body broken for us, it satisfied, his death satisfied the justice that God demands. His death satisfied the justice that, that God demands. And because God accepted his sacrifice, we have been justified. <laughs> We have been justified. We have been made free from that debt. We've been made free from that debt. 
We have been set free from that debt. The debt that we owed, we've been made free from. We've been set free from. Not that we were not guilty. We were. But He made us free. Oh, He made us free. You owed it. And you know you owed it. We can all say, God, you would be just. You would be just. If you would kill me dead right now, you would be just. But because, but, because Jesus took your place and my place, we don't owe that debt anymore. He has set us free. He has made us free. We have been discharged. We have been exonerated. We have been declared innocent. Let's think about this in a, in a, in a courtroom. When the, when the judge says, your case is dismissed. <laughs> your case is dismissed. That means no punishment. That means no jail time. Your case is dismissed. We're throwing this out. Why? Because... I cannot find you guilty anymore. I don't see it. I don't see that you've done it. Why? Because he sees us through the eyes of Jesus. He sees us through the eyes. When he look, and that's why I said you've got to always be found in him. Because when he looks at you, he, he better see Jesus first. Uh, I know that. You, you better be in him so that in him he sees Jesus first. And when he looked out in that courtroom and he saw Jesus and you in him, he says, this case is dismissed. I find no fault. I don't see nothing wrong. As far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's placed. I see him. That exonerated. You have been exonerated. You have been discharged. You have been made free. You have been made free. He had to be resurrected from the dead. And this is so, this is the awesome, this is the awesomeness of God. Jesus had to be, he had to be resurrected from the dead. Because his resurrection is evidence that divine justice in our place was satisfied and his resurrection was his acquittance. His death satisfied our debt, but he had to be acquitted. Legal discharge because, legal discharge because he had not done anything wrong. Two for two. We got two for two. Bet 100 right there. We're free. He's free. We're all free. He had to be resurrected because he did nothing wrong. His discharge was the settlement of our debt that he did owe. His discharge was a settlement for our debt that he did not owe. 
and now to the ascension in these last few minutes that I have. I did pretty good. The ascension of Jesus. The ascension of Jesus, it marked the success of Jesus' ministry, his earthly ministry. It marked the success of his earthly ministry. Words are important. It marked, it marked the success of Jesus' earthly ministry. He completed all that the Father had given him to do. He gave his only begotten son. So he had to be born. He was born. He taught while he was here on earth, his earthly ministry. Part of his earthly ministry was being born. So he had to be born. As he walked this earth, he taught. He was a teacher. He performed miracles. He died. He was resurrected. He appeared to those that he walked with. He appeared to those that he walked with. All of that was a part of his earthly ministry. All showing, all demonstrating, all demonstrating, demonstrating that God sent him into the world. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It was all of that was done. All of that. The miracles that he performed, it was all about showing the power of God. That he was the one that was sent. All of that was done for that purpose. So when he ascended on high, that was the end. He says, it is finished. And all of the benefits that we got from his birth to his life. Minister Rick talked about the benefits of of his life, that ensample. Of him, uh, the way that he lived, being tempted at all points, but not being without sin. That, those are examples for us to follow. All a part of his earthly ministry. All a part of it. When he said, it is finished, all of that work is done. I have done what you have called me to do. God, God the Father, I have done what you have called me to do. And we have the benefits from his work. From his birth to his ascension. Because now, listen, as he ascended, as he ascended, he led captivity captive. As he ascended, he said that he would send the comforter. As he ascended, he says, I'm going back to my father. And as I go back to my father, I'm going to prepare a place. He says, I'm preparing a place for you. The importance of his ascension. I'm preparing a place for you. The blood that I shed, I'm taking it back. I'm going to cleanse. We're going to cleanse with my blood. We're going to cleanse. Remember, remember that the blood, that the veil was rent in two. Now you can boldly approach the throne of grace. (laughs) You can boldly go in now. All a part of his ascension. All a part, his, the, his death, his burial, his life, all of that was a part of that. Hebrews chapter 9 declares that the Messiah is the mediator of an, an entirely new agreement, a new covenant. Outside of the law of Moses, outside of that. Uh, he is the mediator of an entirely new covenant. He makes intercession. He sits at the right hand of God. And he couldn't have done that. He couldn't have done that. He makes intercession for you. He prays for you. 
You get things from God because He's at the right hand. Oh, you don't get that. The gift that keeps on giving. You get things because He sits at the right hand of God. You can't approach Him on your own. Not you. Not me either. You feel better? Not me either. Not you and not me. We cannot approach Him on our own. Who what? Who what what? Where is Jesus? If he don't see Jesus, so he needs to see him on you, you need to be in him, and he's sitting at his right hand. Both. You need both. That's how bad you are. You need both. You need to be in him, and then you need Jesus at his right hand, just sitting right there with him. You don't want him to get up. Oh, you don't want him to get up. You only get because he's right there. And what is, what is he saying? I can imagine what he's saying. Remember the scripture tells us that, that he is not a high priest that can be touched by our infirmities. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our temptations. So I can only imagine. I can only imagine that as he's sitting there and we've done some wrong things and we go and we're repenting. We, you know, we go and we're talking to God about these, little, these things that we've done. And Jesus is sitting there saying, yes, God, I understand. I understand. I was tempted at all points just as they are. I understand the pressures. I understand the pressures of temptation. Let's forgive me. Remember that I died. I died for that. I shed my blood for that. That my blood can cover a multitude of sins. I can only imagine. That's why when we pray, we got to pray. We're praying to God, but in the name. That's why we end our prayers in the name of Jesus. I've asked for this. I've talked to you about this. But understand that it's only in the name that I'm going to receive it. I understand that. Only in in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, the one who's sitting at your right hand, in his name. Talk to him about it, please. That's how good God's love is for us. That's how good his grace is. That's why he is the gift that keeps on giving. Because he, every, every time you go to God in prayer, he's right there doing his Heavenly ministry as your high priest. You remember the priest they went on behalf of? He's sitting right there on behalf of. You remember in that law, in that, in that courtroom, we discharged them because of what I did for them? We did that, but now I'm telling you, God, the Father, I'm telling you that I understand where they're coming from. I understand they're weak. They're weak. They're weak. But then we use the Spirit of God to strengthen. But when you need it, when you need it, it says boldly approach the throne of grace. There you can obtain mercy. He is the mediator of your mercy. 
Jesus is the mediator of your mercy. He is the mediator. Catch that. He is the mediator of your mercy. For without him, you would not have any. <laughs> without him, without Jesus, you would not have mercy. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.